It's so good to be able to gather. And I, I don't know about you, but during that worship time, I, I, I'm really happy for, to, to not only be a dad, but I got a dad. I got a dad. And I hope you sense the, your, your father's presence with you today and being in this place. And if you're online as well, I, I hope as Christmas, and I hope that you're sensing God's presence in your life wherever you're watching this and, and, and spending time with him today. I, I, you know, as I was thinking about Father's Day and as we take time to remember, I, I, I don't know about dads, if you remember the first time you felt that you were a dad, maybe you, maybe you heard, I don't know what your reaction was when you found out you're a dad, you're going, or going to be a dad. I do remember the, the feeling I had when my son, our first child was born and they, they put him on the scale and he's screaming his head off. And, and there was this feeling like, Oh, what did we get ourselves into? And then also there was this, and this was unexpected to me. Maybe it's more specific for unique for me, that experience, but I felt this overwhelming love that came over me. And it was a different type of love. You know, I, I love my family, I love my parents, I love my wife, but there's, it was a new feeling of love. And it took me just a few seconds to gather, maybe a few minutes I was feeling it. And what it was, was the love of a father. And, you know, ladies, as much as you did a lot of the work <laughs> this, coming this child into uh, to, to this world, I think for us dads, it hits us in the reality when our kids are born. And for me, it was that moment, this, this overwhelming love. And what was interesting about the love of a father is that that love just grew and it matured. And it got, of course, it got tested along the lines, and, 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 but it was getting refined and developed. And that love, that love matured. And I was walking with my son a few days ago. We, we had lunch together, and he wasn't able to be, be here on Father's Day. And so he, um, he said, Dad, let me take you to lunch. It's like, well, this is a maturing of a, of a relationship. Like, you're going to take me to lunch. And, and, and we had lunch together, and we walked along, and he said to me, he said, you know, expressing love. And he goes, I just love our relationship. And he goes, it just seems like it's even better now that I'm out of the house, out, out on my own a little bit. And I said, I, I think it's just changed and matured, that love. And this love that we have for each other, it's just grown and there's depth and there's texture and everything that goes with that. And I, and I, and, you know, I, I say all that as I'm deeply, deeply grateful for my, my son and the relationship I have. And I know that we don't all have, you know, there's ups and downs when it comes to, to relationship as, as parents. But I'm grateful for that. But I was, I was reflecting on that, that there's something about love that's tied with maturity. You know, we're, we're doing this series called The, the Reunion. And it, it's really kind of, hey, many of us are coming back for the first time. So if you're here, this is your first time back in a church building. If you're watching online, we love to have you back. We're kind of in the season as we kind of returning and get back and you're getting to this next normal. But reunion, like the, the coming together in unity, there's a level of, of really uniting together. There's a level of maturity that goes on. Just like love matures, unity has a, a place of maturity. And it's tied with really specifically spiritual maturity. I think in all relationships that, that there's a, for unity, for there to be a bond together, there has to be a level of maturity. And I think that's so important in the church as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, that we, when we grow maturity, it can lead to, lead to greater unity. In, and yet, what I find is people over time is that 
Spiritual maturity isn't automatic, is it? It's not, because I've known people, it's kind of like, you know, when you grow older, some people think you grow older, you grow more mature. Have you discovered that's not the case? Don't point fingers, you know? We can grow older, it doesn't mean mature. And sometimes we, we, we can be funny and try to be d- dumb and different things, just like the dad on the video, you know? But, but there's that aspect. But I, unfortunately, some people, they, they are not maturing in their faith. There's infancy and even, you know, they're, they're still in preschool long ways, even though maybe they've been a Christian for a long, long time. And that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's an issue. That's a big issue. And I think it's easy, you know, especially in our world that we live in, Christian culture, that it is easy to do that. It's easy just to come in and just get fed and, and leave and, and not really grow in maturity. In fact, I've seen people kind of, I've seen people do this, is they, those that claim to be spiritually mature, it actually looks like it's more of just trying to be more religious. What appears to be spiritual maturity is, and, and, and they do things that look spiritually mature, and, and they, have, they have value. Don't, don't get me wrong. Coming weekly or you know, participating in, in a gathering as we do is really, really important. So doing that or, or you know, giving faithfully. I mean, we appreciate everyone giving faithfully, supporting the work, work of the Lord that we're doing. You know, serving, you know, just doing the things that are on. You know, I, I know people that, 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 that seem spiritually mature that, that are incredible with knowing the Bible backwards and forwards. I mean, they can answer all the questions and everything. But then over time, what I've discovered, though, when there's push come to shove, they're not really that mature. And I think what we find, I don't know about you, but what I find is this, is when, when, when tension happens, when there's conflict, they don't really deal with it real well. There's people along lines where decisions are being made, specifically in the church, and, and, and they weren't consulted, and they, there's a sense of entitlement. Hey, I've been here for a while. I've been giving. I've been doing this. Okay, yeah? And, and along the lines, what happens when, that, when, when there's, there's difficulties and struggles and everything, somehow there's a kind of reverting back to be a toddler in the, in the, in the, in the cereal aisle because they didn't get their fruity pebbles, and I'm just going, wow. And then I find as I've had to see people respond in such a way, I realized that my reaction at times wasn't very spiritually mature either. And I have a lot of growth in my own spiritual development. And then I discovered this, that spiritual maturity at the end of the day isn't that checklist of things to do. And there's something deeper. In fact, even emotionally. There's a wonderful resource many years ago that I got tied to. It's called, this book called Emotionally Spirituality. And it's actually Pete Scarzazio is the one that, I just want to give you this quote. Uh, and I think we got it on the screen here. He says this, it, he says, emotional health and spiritual maturity are inseparable. It's not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. They go together. They go together. And so we, they, we you, you can get spiritual maturity, if, if it's separated from emotional maturity, it's just a checklist. And it's easier, actually, to follow that checklist when things are going really well. But when we're all together, and specifically we're trying to unify together as the body of Christ, guess what? Your opinion might be different than my opinion. Your, your thoughts, your ways, your, your approach, your perspective might be different. And somehow I have to grow in my, my, 
my emotional maturity needs to catch up on my spiritual checklist. And they, they, they're inseparable. They go together. And that's so tied with, with, with unity that is that what we're going to talk about here today. Life moves toward maturity. And as we mature in our faith in Christ, we also, you know, mature in life. We have to mature our faith in Christ. We can't stay as spiritual newborn babies. We have to grow. And I tell you this, at the end of the day, it takes intentionality to do that. And Paul, early church planner, you know, I mean, you know, wrote a lot of the New Testament. If you read through the letters Paul wrote, you find that this theme of maturity connected to unity shows up over and over again. And one of those is Ephesians that we're going to look at today. Ephesians chapter 4 that I want to turn to and look at. But verse 3, I want to start with, and then we're going to go back and forth in some verses in this chapter this morning as part of our text. Um, Paul says this about intentionality in spiritual maturity. He says this, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. What is he saying here? Unity doesn't just happen. It doesn't say, oh, let's just all come, come together. There's actually work in it. There's actually labor in it. But this is very encouraging for us. We don't have to labor alone. God himself did the heavy lifting through Christ to build this foundation of unity. Look what he says next. In fact, if you could participate with me, and if you're online, we're going to come to this word one, and I just invite you to say the word out loud with me as I read it. This is what it says. Here, so say one out loud when I read this. There is body and spirit, just as you are called to hope when you were called Lord, faith, baptism, God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. There's some redundancy there for a reason. Paul is saying in all of it, in every of it, oneness is absolutely critical when it comes, and it is, we're going to look at, it is tied to spiritual maturity. And look at what it says next to this, building this foundation of unity and oneness. He says this, but to each one of us, grace has been given as, as Christ apportioned to it. Now the word grace, it's all through the New Testament. We word, it's this word keros. But this word keros here is actually, it's, it's really, you could call it a grace gift. And, and, and it shows up a couple chapters before in Ephesians 2a, you know, for by grace we are saved through faith. It's not of ourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works that no man can boast. That's, a, that's the gift of salvation that we're eternally, eternally grateful for. But this grace that Paul's talking about actually is a greater, not greater, it's built upon salvation, but it's, it's also maturing and deepening of our salvation of this gift of grace given us. And he says, each one given a portion to us, that each one of us have gifts. Last week we talked about spiritual gifts. If you, if you were talking about the diversity of being in the one body of Christ, and we have many parts, but these different gifts that we have. And then Paul specifically says here of particular grace gifts that are given to leaders to help us encourage it. But we're, we're going to jump to that here in a moment. But this is what he says about these, this, where it comes from. He says this, when we ascended on high, this is Jesus, he took many captives, gave gifts to his people, which he ascended means except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended to the very one who ascended on high than all the heavens in order to fulfill the whole universe. You're like, ascended, descended, what's going on here? So 
He's just saying, Christ, the eternal God, creator of all, came to this earth, descended to this earth to dwell with sinful humanity. He, without sin, became sin for us, that we would be the righteousness of God. And so through Christ, through the, this work that he did, where he descended, then he, you know, think about this, he, they, he was raised up on the cross, and then he descended into the tomb, and then he rose up again, and then he, he was exalted to heaven. This, this ascending, descending, all, of it, all the work he did, proven, Paul's saying, proven his authority for us and because of that this is what he does because of that he has given these gifts for the goal, the goal of greater unity through the maturing of the body of Christ now how does this come about well he specifically these grace gifts given sp specifically to spiritual leaders so the next verse he says this so Christ himself gave the apostles. Now, if you have heard the term apostle, apostle is someone that starts new works. So, you know, you've heard of church planners, you've heard of missionaries go out, and they're going to areas where there's the gospel is not there. There's no work, new works happening. They start new work. If you start a small group, you are an apostle. You're doing the work of an apostle. A, a prophet is one who is a truth teller, is one who set, you know, says it straight. What we they sense God is leading them for, to, from what God's calling them to say. The, the evangelists, that's the, gospel, that's the good news proclaimers. Those are the people that, that, that are gifted in sharing the gospel and proclaiming the gospel and have this passion for people to receive Jesus as the Lord and Savior. And then the, the pastors, the pastor is a shepherd caring and encouraging the flock. And then a teacher, a teacher is one that unpacks God's truth to help others grow as a disciple and bring personal application. All these different gifts, these spiritual offices in a sense, are to help to do one thing. All of them do one thing is this, to equip his people for works of service. Let's be really clear. Paul's saying it's not the sole job of the church leaders to do all the work of the ministry. It's not my job. It's not our staff's job. The people that are overseers to say, we're going to do all the work and everybody else watches. No, our, our primary job is to equip, to train, and to develop and empower for people, the church, to be the hands and feet of Jesus to fulfill his mission so that the body of Christ might be built up. As we talked last week, the, the diversity of the various roles, which we need diversity of personalities and gifts and experiences to meet all the different needs that are there so that the body of Christ can be strengthened together. And listen, it says this, until what? Until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and becoming what? Here it is, becoming mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ obtaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. There's this ultimate, like, what is that? I actually don't really know <laughs> what that really truly means, but there's this ultimate fulfillment. And I don't think we'll know until really heaven what that fulfillment is, but it's the growth of maturity that, that leads to this unif unifying together that builds up the church, and there's this fullness 
that we can experience together and we're going wow god is good and what an amazing work that he do- he has done and we can have moments of that as we come together so all that to say kind of here's our today's reunion reality is this our bond of unity is based on the depth of our maturity our bond of unity is based on our depth of maturity as much as my son at newborn we're in relationship together it's pretty one-sided right you know there wasn't a whole lot you know feedback i got on you know and some of you experience you know when one day when your kids begin to show your gratefulness it's a wonderful gift that's there but even more than that the friendship and the depth of relationship it was a maturity not only in his part a lot of maturity in the next last you know 21 years but a maturity on my part and my growth as a father that brought even greater unity and relationship. And that's what our father wants with us. That's, our, that's what he desires as brothers and sisters in Christ, that if you really want to bond in unity, there's a level of maturity. And what we're discovering is there's some intentionality to grow in that maturity. The question is, how does it come about? How do we live this out? And I would say, probably in just a very divisive world. I mean, part of why we're talking about this is we've just lived in division all this last year. There's been physical division. We've been told, I mean, don't go anywhere for months and months and months. And now we're kind of getting out of that deprogramming of that in, our, in all our behavior, coming together. But we, we've lived in the most diverse time in our world, at least in American culture, in our lifetime of politics. And, and it infiltrated our, even in the body of Christ and what different people, and they, they put their political ideologies above Christ. And we're just, we're just trying to figure this out. And so all that is this challenge that we've been in to grow in maturity and unity together. But it it's taken a toll on us in the division. And also, I think it's exposed this last year, just the level of shallowness of faith. I'm amazed how quickly people go, if that's the way it is, I'm out of here. And I, I, I'm amazed by that. And I think it just shows the shallowness of, of spirituality. And Paul's just saying, we got to dig deeper. We got to dig deeper in the unity. And the church, the, 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 the leaders of the church are here to equip and to help. And, I, and I, that's my role here as a, as a teacher slash pastor slash prophet. I don't know. Whatever role I'm having here at this moment here today, I think my goal is I, I want to make it understandable to you. I want in, in, in those that come and, and speak on Sunday morning, communicate, whether through our worship leading and through our, our communication here, but, but also recognize this is that, yeah, I, I can try to get it bite-sized and help you do it, but, but, but you're, not, you're not toddlers. Yeah, you got teeth. You can chew yourself, right? And I, but I don't have to tell you chew, chew, chew like a chew train and try to eat this food. That that's not gonna that's just doesn't really help you grow. There's got to be a challenge. There's got to say, here's a piece of meat. Here's some food. You figure it out. Work on it. So I'm just gonna say, hey, let's put on our big boy and big girl pants on, okay? And let's step up. Let's mature. It's a choice that we, you and I, have to make because it's needed for the bond of unity. What's the goal? To make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. That's the ultimate thing. Now, how do we go about that? Well, I want to just stay right true to the text of Ephesians 4 because verses, this is verse 3, but verses 1 and 2 actually tell us. So we're going to go back that leads to the spirit of unity through the bond of peace. You can take your notes out, encourage you today. They're in your chair. You can pull them out. You got a pen. You can write these thoughts down. If you're online, you can jot these down as well. 
some practical thoughts toward maturity for you. The first is this, and we'll just call marks of spiritual maturity. The first is this, is to live up to who you are already. To live up to who you are already. School's pretty much done for most people. Graduations for high schoolers pretty much happen. People are wrapping up or are done, and we're just like, school's out for summer, right? Wasn't that the song we used to sing? And we're just excited. And if you don't go to school anymore, school's out forever, okay, right? And we enjoy, I just enjoy not being in school when I see that happen. One of the things I love, though, that one thing that was kind of a gift in school was, I don't know if, did you ever have any teachers or professors grade on a curve? How many, how many liked the teacher when they grade on a curve? Anybody here? Am I the only one they did that? Okay. I, my, my, what, the way grading on a curve, maybe that's a new thing for you guys, but grading on a curve is they would throw out the worst score and the, the best score of a test. And you know what? I was always in the middle. And so, and, and then I would take, a, especially math, I mean, when they, threw the, when they threw the letters in the math, I'm out, right? I'm, I'm lost. And so I struggled with algebra. And, and, and I love, I, I mean, I, I knew I, you know how you just like, you know, I, I know I bombed this. I bombed it, right? I'm just taking this. And I'm thinking, and this is the terrible thing about what I said, thinking was, I hope everybody else did too. Because if the, if the professor's grading on a curve, teacher, right? And, and so what they did is then they averaged the score. And so even if you bombed it, you didn't do as bad because everybody else did really bad too. Now, that's math. That doesn't always work in real life at all by the way. Grading on a curve is not a, is not a great thing in life because we do this all the time and we go, you know, like, wow, okay, wow, they're, they're Christian too, huh? Whoa, okay, wow, I, that's how they're acting and, and, you know, and that's how, that's what they're posting? That's what they're, yeah, I'm glad I'm not that bad. <laughs> Whew. I'm just saying. But then someone comes along and you're just going, wow, okay, I they're giving, they're serving, they're doing these things, they're helping people, and, they, and they're not even really bragging about it. You're just watching us going, I can't live up to that. And he, well, here's the good news. You and I, we can't live up to that, and nobody can live up to that. If you want a 100% score, that's what you're going to require for the past God's test, you ain't going to do it. You got to be perfect every second of every moment of your life. No one can do that. Christ came through the work of the, the cross to help us to be, to be, to pass that test of what, Christ, what he's given us. And through that, Jesus came and knowing this already says, what I've done and want to accomplish, now I want you to come follow me. And there's a calling into, not because you're perfect, because I, he says, I'm perfect. I'm inviting you into this relationship and this challenge that we have to live in this invitation of a called life. We're all called. And this is where Paul says this. He says, because of that, he says this, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Worthy of the calling received. And that means like not this high standard, I gotta get there. No, through Christ we can do that. But there's some effort to do that. Look what Jesus did for you. Now your job is to live up to that, to live towards that, to work towards that. There is work in sal- not for your salvation, but in it, in a relationship that you have with him. And as you do that, no, recognize this, as you're living out your calling, you're called to Christ. Your identity is in Jesus. And when we live out our calling as we receive, there's, there's, I tell you, it's a beautiful freedom. Because what I've found is this, is that I don't have to necessarily prove myself to anybody any longer. 
It's not about my grading on the curve and comparing myself to others comparing to me. No, I'm living out of this called life. And so what this means is when I, when I enter a room, I don't have to feel I don't have to feel intimidated. When I enter a place I, I, and with people, I don't have to feel insecure. I, I don't have to prove myself. I don't have to size people up with my doing that. There's some freedom there. And that, wouldn't that be great to actually experience that? That's what, that's what this is saying is you living up to the Christ calling. And when you do that, you're kind of letting things go along the lines and, and you're not worried. You're not, you know, this is where spiritual maturity, you're not getting highly offended by anybody. You know, they, you're, you're maybe in a group or whatever and they make, a, they make a remark and like, did they, what do they mean by that? Are they, you know, we don't have to do any of that because you're, you're living out your calling. You're, 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 you're enjoying the freedom. In fact, what you can do is you actually not only can, the Bible says, you know, rejoice with those rejoice and suffer with those who suffer. You can actually live that out because if someone's not doing well, you're, you're not like, well, you got it bad. I got problems. No, you're just rushing to them. Like, how can I help? How can I serve? How can I pray for you? And you legitimately feel great about that. Like, you're not having to get anything out of the relationship. On the other hand, though, and when people are, when people are celebrating and great successes and everything's going well and your life is not, you can legitimately celebrate what's going on in someone's life. And you don't go, well, what about me, God? Or what about how about my needs? Because you're already there. You're living out your calling that you received. You want. Now, here's the opposite, though. So don't, don't get too like, oh, I'm, look at me. Because uh, look at this. The opposite thing is you need to do this. Is you got to realize you're not all that. <laughs> <laughs> you realize you're not all that. How, what this means is, because, I mean, have you met that person who thinks they got it all together, at least uh, look like they do? You know in their, in their ways, like, you, you meet them, and they're like, they kind of give you a resume. Like, how's it going? Oh, man, I'm killing it in business. Oh, I'm killing, you know, they're, I'm crushing it, you know, this team. You know, and they just kind of get in this mode, and it's like, I don't need your resume, you know? I just want to know you. But they had to somehow prove themselves to, to you, or at least try to prove a point. Paul warns us of this in Romans. He says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Meaning this, don't think too lowly of yourself and don't think too highly of yourself. Think of yourself going, okay, through my calling in Christ and my relationship, if I'm going to grow in unity, I, I, I'm not going to make it about me. I'm not going to, and so, because, you know, what, what happens if we, if we do, and then what is, it was pride comes before a, fall right so that's the issue so mark a maturity that fosters unity paul says this next he says be completely humble and gentle i think that's kind of interesting completely humble and not you know and gentle not not partially humble like i'm sometimes humble i don't want to brag about it no it's not how it works not how it works uh i i i'll give you an example it's specific and just you know i'm working through this stuff myself as a few years ago I was mentoring somebody and, and you know, still in relationship, not doing that. But um, we're in a room together and this person said something, like it made a statement. And someone across the room goes, wow, that is powerful. That is wonderful. I got to write that down. And, and then they go, well, where did you get that? I'm thinking, oh, it's coming, right? You know, and they, they go, I don't know. And I bite my lip. I'm like, that's what I've been telling you all the time, man. And, and then I'm like, all right, you know, and it's like, okay. And, it didn't, and, and, and then I'm like, and then I'm thinking about like, yeah, that's such a, that is a powerful statement. That is, you know, and then I'm thinking, where did I get that? <laughs> I don't remember. 
And you don't see how it works at that level? What's going on? It's this, I'm, I'm still got a lot of work through, and, and I realize that's, that's, that's blocking unity. But I can be liberated and if I walk in that. And that's why the Bible says knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And that's, that's so important. Where Paul goes next is this power of love. It really ties together in this motivation. Now, I want to say something about humility is this. I've learned in humility, if, 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 if there's enough humility on both sides, like if there's conflict with relationships, if there's enough humility on both sides, anything really truly can be worked out for the most part. I, I've done lots and lots of marriage counseling, and I find with a couple of things with people that are married is when they come to, come to counseling, you know it's tough, right? They're, they're pulling the pastor in or counseling, and it's good. I'm glad, you know, and we want to help marriages, and it's so important, but there takes a level of humility to admit, hey, we got a struggle, uh, but what I find is a lot of gridlock, and what they're going like, I got my rights, I got my rights, and, and they're like, we don't know what to do. Well, what I say to, to really break the ice for them to do is say, well, whoever the, is the most mature p- person in the relationship goes first, challenges them a little bit like well I'm more mature than you okay you know then there we have a problem with that but th- that's not humility humility is saying no I'm willing to and it's a risk in relation really humble ourselves but but my ego and my insecurity is not going to be a part of that because because I can work through so be gent- be completely gentle and uh, humble and gentle and it leads to this finally another well final marker I want to leave you of maturity that fosters unity is you you help carry the load of others in love. You help carry the load and others in love. The other day, my wife and I were doing devotions together, and, and we came across in a little devotional about love, you know, the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, and love is gentle, and going through the list. And she goes, she made a comment, which I've never thought of this before, is that she goes, isn't it interesting, the first description of love is patience. And then she goes, she goes, I'm wondering that, the reason for that is that's the hardest part of love. I'm like, yeah, probably married to me. That would probably be the case. And I think it's something interesting because that's what Paul says here in, 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 in chapter 4 here, verse 2 of Ephesians. He says this, be patient, bearing with one another in love. And he, so he ties that together because love is not niceties. I love you and that's great. And sentiments, I think that's wonderful to do that. But that's not the depth of love. That's not the maturity of love, is it? No, love is... Is, is patient, and, and another word for patient is forbearance, you know, and where you get this word burden, bear, that's kind of what he's saying here, the burden of love, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean like, oh, I have to love, love is actually a choice we have, it's I want to love, I want to carry that burden because I love that person so much, and I think what we find is that, that, that love is actually, what I've learned of true love is not just loving someone, but loving people through through life, through toward love. Like, it, love is, carries, carries us through to carry that burden. It doesn't naturally come. It takes, it takes intentionality and practice. And so, you know, this week as our spiritual practice, I'm gonna encourage you with this, is ask a person who, who's carrying a burden, how can I help you this week? And your antennas will be up this week. You're gonna discover it. You're gonna see it. It's gonna pop up. It might be at work. It might be in your home. It might be with you know, kids or your parents or whatever, whoever you're caring for. Some of you are caring, you're in a sandwich thing. You're, caring, you're still caring for kids over here and you're still caring for your parents. I know that's happened for a lot of people. And, 
and find out what, what is this, you know, what is that? Now, you don't, if someone can carry their own burdens, they need to do that. That's, that's enablement. But legitimately, there's people going, I don't know what to do. I'm really sorry. Well, how can I help you? How can I help you this week? How can I help carry that burden? If, if it's a chore, if something physically you can do, run an errand or something like that. Some of it's just saying, I'm here for you. I just want you to know. And I think one of the greatest things you can offer is saying to them and really doing this, can I intercede in prayer for you? I'm going to carry that burden for you as well as trying to do something practical at the same time. So think about that. Who's that person? You're going to find out this week and you're like, that's the one. That's who I'm going to reach out. That's what love well, that's what love is. That's because that's what love does. And I think it's easy to, to, to get along when everything's going right. But I tell you what happens for us is when things aren't going well and the struggles are there, we can self-persevere and we're not reaching out in love. And we get, we get really more focused. And then we've seen this division in our culture on ourselves. And that's the immaturity that comes out. So I've saddened this last year and I've commented a lot about this of the reactions of Christians, everything that's happened, and it shows the level of, again, spiritual shallowness that's there. I'm saddened what how non-Christians are looking at the church right now, and they're, they're, what they're seeing is Christians, you have a lot more opinions than actually having any kind of love. Can I tell you, love is our hallmark through Christ. Love, you know, God is love. Bible says in 1 John, whoever lives in love lives in God and, and, and God in him. And so that love that we grow in depth and maturity, that's going to bond us together as we carry the burdens of one another in that, that depth of love that we labor in love and we choose to, to love. And I, I'm so grateful that the heavy lifting is what... what Christ did already for us and, and loving us because of the cross and what, what he accomplished for us. And this is what happens when Paul says of, of you know, of, uh, of humility and gentleness and love and in knowing your calling and all that. This is the results. Listen to the, the results of spiritual maturity that really brings unity. He ends it with this. He says, then we all no longer, sorry, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by the wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Man, if that scripture was ever important this last year and you've seen that the spiritual immaturity of people they 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 just believe every post that's posted they they believe every political thing they 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 watch crazy conspiracy videos on youtube and i'm just amazed by that and rather not getting going back to the foundation of who they are in christ how they're tied in the unity of the church and coming together and he says once people are growing in spiritual maturity they're not tossed back and forth and believing everything Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. For in him, for, for, sorry, from him, the whole body joined, held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That is the church. That is desire. That through maturity, we come to unity. The body working together. Every supporting ligament. Every aspect. It's, it's, it's a well-oiled machine. It's, it's just working so well and doing it. So we're all because what? I love this part. Every part is doing its work. Question is, what's your part? We talked about that last week. Find your part and work it. But as you do, you're growing maturity. And that brings us greater bond of unity. I invite
our team to come as we, we close. And I kind of referenced, uh, kind of fast forward here, you know, 18 years later. And in fact, the other day, again, just reflecting with my son and the maturity of our faith uh, in Christ has led to our maturity in our relationship, our love for one another. That the maturity, my, my relationship with the Lord, maturity with my son, they, they go hand in hand. That's for all of us, right? And all, and all relationships like that, like that, and it brings us bond, it brings us depth of love and appreciation for one another. But I was reflecting back and even our conversation of where we've grown is that we've developed a, a, an adult relationship, right? And still he's young, still developing in the different stages of life. And, and as I'm developing in my own stages of life as we all go through and appreciating this relationship and it reflected back as a question that I, I, I actually, actually a friend of mine, a mentor that I looked up to and still do, he's, I, as my son was graduating, I said, um, what advice do you give me that I can give him? What, what's it like? You've, you've had your kids and they're growing up and, and have kids themselves. What, what advice, Frank, can you give me? He goes, just ask him, your, your, your child, one question when they graduate. And this is the question he says. In fact, this is the question that we're sitting down with our daughter who just graduated that we'll be sitting down with her for our breakfast and asking her before she goes off to college. And, it, and I think it's a question we need to ask ourselves this morning, really, is this. This is the question. What will an adult relationship look like? I want you to think about that. What an adult relationship, what will it look like? What will an adult relationship look like with each other, you know, you know, and, and if you're, 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 your kids, you know, if they're getting close to graduation or some of you have older kids, this is still a great question. What, what is this adult relationship going to look like? What is that? What does that look like? Does, and I, I think I've discovered an answer. One of the answers is this is it's two way. It looks like this is like, it's not just me asking you how are you doing all the time and always you calling me calling you all the time but you're calling me and you're asking about my day and how I'm doing parents you understand that that's that relationship right in fact my son commented the other day because dad I call you more than you call me like that's okay I'll keep calling you. It's okay. And we have a two-way relationship. Yeah, it's not, you know, we're working through things as seasons go. It's not perfect. But, but that's a two-way relationship. I think it's a two-way relationship. with Mature people aren't always takers all the time. They're not always take, 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 take. No, there's a giving goes back, right? So it's a give and receive, give and receive. That's in friendship, body, brothers and sisters in Christ. If you find yourself a little bit more a taker, it's time to give. And if you're not always, I find this is if you're not always taking, you're always giving, 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 it's not a very good relationship because you're not the savior. You're not the one to rescue everybody. People want to people help you as well, right? It's a two-way relationship with one another. That, that builds bond with one another, but also with our relationship with God. God wants a two-way relationship. Yeah, he's given us everything, right? But he wants relationship with us. He wants us to want him, yes. But he wants us to be able to say, Lord, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? How can I help you? And he has some great ideas of what that might look like. So I say, let's all have an adult relationship. Can we do that? 
We don't need any more two-year-old tantrums. We don't need, you know, we're working through what we're working through, but let's grow in maturity. And when we grow in maturity, guess what? We can have this bond of unity in such a credible way, not only for us together, but next week we're talking about for a world out there that desperately, desperately needs us to be together so we can help encourage them. Will you pray with me as we close? Thank you, Lord, for time. Thank you for Father being our Father every single day. Father stays every day with you, Lord. Thank you for the relationship. Thank you for the, 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 the growing and deepening and maturing relationship with you. That as we spend more time with you and years of following you and that there's a depth. It's not just because we were Christian for many years. No, we're intentional of growing and deepening and understanding the Father's love for us. And Lord, out of that depth of maturing a relationship, Lord, we can have an adult relationship also with one another, Lord. So help us to do that because we don't always agree. Lord, we all have different opinions and we have different perspectives. And so, Lord, we just need help with that. And so may that help us grow in maturity toward this greater union that you desperately, desperately want us to have. But not just to all get along, but actually we all get along for this greater goal for your mission and what you have for a lost, hurting, broken world that truly, truly needs your, your love as well. May we lead in that love this week. May we learn to carry each, each other's burdens in this love. May we continue to humble ourselves and may we not lose the, this calling that we have received to follow you and help others follow you together. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm